Welcome to the PEBC Podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I am the host of our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work connects with the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we will explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment all cultivate student agency, equity, and understanding across the curriculum and grade levels. Thank you so much for listening in. It is an honor to have Evan Kennedy, the Director of Strategic Initiatives and Public Policy at the PEBC, as my guest on today's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. Many of our podcasts have featured the work of teachers and leaders, but today we are going to look at another way the PEBC is working to elevate the teaching profession so that all students have access to a phenomenal teacher. Local, state, and national leaders trust PEBC to inform the development of sound education policy that can impact success for students and teachers alike. Policymakers and advocates count on PEBC to advise the development and implementation of policy so that good ideas translate to great outcomes in classrooms, schools, and systems, as well as for our nation's workforce and economy. So, Evan, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm doing great, too. Um, you know, it's just minutes before the election, and this podcast couldn't be more timely. I think it's going to be a great conversation just about policy and education and kind of those hopes for the future. But I'd love to ask you a question about what is it that policymakers are doing right now? It's such a great and important question, right? And to me, it always starts with listening. You know, as I as I think back to earlier in the spring this year and, you know, since then, every, you know, Every single day, it seems that um, people who live in the policy space or are interested in it or engage, engage with it in any way are really spending a lot of time listening to their communities. So doing outreach to parents, to families, teachers, other stakeholders around, you know, what, what, are, your, what are your needs right now? What's, what's hard? You know, help, us, help, us help us understand a uh, day in your life right now, right? And there's the there's the immediate and then there's the long term considerations that are that are in play. And it's not to separate those, but there are um, you know, there are both of those situations. Immediately, you know, things around do we go to in person school or do we stay remote? And everybody um is trying to make the best decisions that they can with the information that they have in what is, you know, and not to um you know not to not to ignore it, what we have to sort of what we have to sort of, you know, fold into the polarization that appears at times, you know, like wherever, wherever you may fall on an ideological spectrum, wherever you may fall on a spectrum of every school needs to be open, full stop to every school should be in remote learning until this, uh, until we have a solution to uh, the, to the, to the pandemic, you know, everybody who falls on either of those poles or anywhere in between is making, is making their voice heard. So so that's really interesting because I hadn't really thought about it that way, that there's the short-term considerations and the long-term. And I, I really appreciate what you just said about listening and how policymakers right now are trying to be really good listeners. So I'm guessing, so they have a better understanding of what's happening and increased situational awareness. 
And then that situational awareness impacts short-term and long-term decisions and policies. The short-term, I think we all are pretty familiar with because everyone's living in it who's associated with education in any way. If you're a parent, if you're a school leader, a teacher, a community member, turning on the news, having a conversation, you know, out walking the dog. So Evan, what is the current conversation regarding the long-term impact of everything educators are experiencing and everything that's happening in the world of education right now? Right. So I would say there's a big focus on some of the inequities um, that were probably a part of a part of the of the system that have potentially been exacerbated a little bit by what we're seeing now. Um, a big area, for example, our listeners might have heard of is the access to broadband in communities we're seeing in urban areas, suburban areas, rural areas, uh, challenges around consistent access to broadband and what that means for students when they're learning remotely and for teachers who are trying to teach remotely. You know, like not, not everybody has that available at their, at their home. And so that's having an effect right now. That's something that um, policymakers are really digging their, digging their heels into. There's various uh, issues along that, along that, uh, along that same, along that same vein that are, that are a deep focus right now. You know, from the perspective of teaching, I think um, with a pivot to remote learning that happened very suddenly in the in the spring semester, and then with getting schools back uh, open in these hybrid and blended environments that we that we have now, um, there's been a lot of recognition of the hard work that teachers have been putting in to you know, first pivot lessons that you were planning on doing in person to how are you going to try and do, how are you going to try and do that remotely? And then what are some of the associated strengths and challenges that go into that when looking at a situation like we have this year where, you know, many of our kids, many of our educators are, you know, likely looking forward to a year where you are going to be bouncing back and forth between in-person, virtual learning, a hybrid, a hybrid environment, you know, what are, what are going to be the what are going to be the best ways to support teachers and students through that? What are you know what are the pain points going to be? How can we um, attempt to build more resiliency into systems where we can support educators, where we can support students in times when you know the the social aspects of school are going to be a lot different than we are than we are all used to. So there's just there's just there's just a lot to think about when it comes to providing support for our schools and for our kids right now. Absolutely. And I think, Evan, you just really elevated two aspects of education or being an educator that folks on the inside are pretty familiar with, that these inequities have been brewing for a long time. And some of those systemic inequities have been a part of teaching in schools for as long as many people have been in the classroom. You also mentioned that teaching is hard that in this year, we're really seeing that impact on teacher wellness and student wellness and being able to really support teachers as they persevere and our leaders as well. So when you think about those, it's interesting to think about how policymakers are gathering all of this information so that they can make really informed, um, I guess, recommendations, if you will, for policies to support students, leaders, and teachers. So when I think about that, it makes me curious on what are some of the different roles that policymakers can take on? What might that look like and sound like? And, and what do you do in that area? 
Great. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's, let's use where we are, Michelle, let's use Colorado as an example. And, you know, a, a shorthand that I've just been using in my brain is sort of big P and little P. Right. And um, so big P I'm thinking about more sort of formal state level um, policymakers. So things like your governor, your state legislature, um, your state board of education, if your state has one, Colorado has one, that's an elected position here in Colorado. Um, you have your state agencies with the Colorado Department of Education, the Department of Higher Education. Um, you have the organizations that represent teachers. You have the organizations that represent school administrators, the organizations that represent school boards. And these, um, you know, these are the, these are the organizations that are really looking to gather information, information from the field and, um, elevate it up to the, the, the state level so that, again, that information gathering, that listening can really inform some of the choices that decision makers need to make. Colorado is also a local control state. We have 178 school districts in this in the state of Colorado and each of them have a have a decent deal of uh, autonomy when it comes to when it comes to decision making and so you know little p there are a lot of decisions made around schools at the at the local level so when i when i use that big p and little p that's just my shorthand way of um thinking about those two buckets i think that's really really interesting so when we think about this idea of the big p and the little p and those kind of working together I'm guessing that the goal is really to support students and teachers and leaders and to create these more resilient systems. But there's also, there's got to be a way for this to happen. So if the goal is to inform education policy, how does that actually happen? Like, can you share some examples with us, maybe particularly from the PEBC or other organizations on, on how do you take that situational awareness, all of that information, merge the capital P's and the lowercase p's and make change that's a great question right and um as you as you as you mentioned earlier you know pbc were very interested in and helping ensure that uh practicing teachers and educators can have a have a have a voice at the table when it um comes to issues that may be uh important to them or impacting them in their work in the classroom um i have a few examples uh from recent work that pbc has done that i'd love to that i'd love to use um so we had an opportunity earlier this year in the spring um, where uh, Senator Michael Bennett, his team in his office, um, they were interested in giving the senator an opportunity to hear from teachers around the state as to, you know, again, what's, what does a day in your life look like right now? What, tell, me what's, tell me what's really going on. I would just love to hear from teachers in as many parts of the state as I can. Just tell me, you know, let me walk a mile in your shoes with you. Just let me know what's up. So um, we worked with the um, we worked with the senator's office. We worked with some of our friends here in Colorado to try and bring a representative cross section of teachers from the state, from, from urban school districts, from rural school districts, from places far and in between, um, and get them on a on a on a conference call with the senator for an hour and just give everybody an opportunity to say who they are, where they are, what are you teaching, and What's your life like right now? What are your needs? Um, it was really important for to the senator and to his office that he have that on the ground perspective and that statewide lens so that when he's in D.C., he can look to make uh, some decisions that um, can support the needs of Colorado's diverse communities. So that was a really fun thing um, that we were able to do in the midst of really hard times. We, um, you know, 
through our network, through um, looking into some of our friends and trying to find teachers from around the state. We literally had a teacher in Julesburg, which is in the far northeast corner of the state, and a teacher in Cortez, which is in the far southeast corner of the state, and everywhere in between sort of participating in that call. So, you know, while it was a very, you know, that was a very emotional conversation, I would I would say people really, really sharing and um, really listening to each other and the power of it was there. And so having people an opportunity to come together and have that opportunity to share their thoughts directly with um, someone who is in a position of, you know, an elected official like the senator is, is something that we had an opportunity to do. And that was that was a pretty neat one. Well, that just that sounds so inspiring, because I think oftentimes we think about policy or maybe it's just me is paper. Right? But it sounds like policy is a lot about people and really unpacking that the people's experiences in order to make policies that can impact them positively. Right. Right. And so you look to, you know, those those conversations are important and they're, yeah. you know, they're both formal and informal, you know, formal as mm-hmm. formal as in, oh, I get to I get to share my thoughts with a senator. Goodness gracious, you know, and and then there are ways where you can look um, at another level to provide a deep, provide a provide a deeper level of of feedback, perhaps than um, than a than a conversation. So there's been other initiatives that we've that we've done. I'll, is it okay if I use an example from the before times? Oh, absolutely. Let's hear a couple different examples because I think it's you know you're you're really unpacking. It's it kind of this conversation reminds me of the scene in The Wizard of Oz when the little dog pulls the curtain back and then you see you know the man working all the gears. Like, I think that a lot of times policy has a little bit of a mysterious quality. So definitely share a couple more examples with us. Kind of walk us through what this might look like and sound yeah, like. Right. So a couple, of, a couple of years ago, I want to say it might have been the 2018, 2019 school year. Um, we had an understanding that the state was um, that, and that during the legislative session, there might be a focus um, within education policy on uh, teacher evaluation and how we assess teachers in the in the state of Colorado, and um, we wanted to find an opportunity to have a good way for teachers to inject some of their thinking into that conversation. And so, working with a uh, working with a foundation here, working with a few other sort of education organizations and friends, we brought together a, a gr- again a group of teachers from around the state that's an important thing here in Colorado is having both that um, the context of the Denver and the metro area as well as our rural and our suburban communities right so we brought together a similar cross section of educators working in the diverse systems in Colorado and really had them sort of take a deep dive into teacher teacher evaluation and their own their own experiences with it their own ideas around it and um, so we had a had an initial sense making sort of uh, meeting where we brought some people together and sort of you know what's your current understanding of our of the state's evaluation framework how it plays out in your local system what you know what are your what are the strengths of it and what are where are some of the areas where you could see improvement from that sense making we provided opportunities for these teachers to learn about uh, other systems perhaps other states and how their evaluation frameworks work just to sort of get um, to an elevated perspective, you know, to get stuck, get a little bit out of the immediate in your experience and start thinking about it at a, um, at a, you know, a next level up, let's say. And then we gave these teachers an opportunity to go back into their districts and um, have 
the foundation was provided some funding to support some projects, some pilots around evaluation. So that could look like a, a focus group in a building um, to gain thoughts in a, you know, in a, in a middle school around what are the, you know, what's a survey as far as how the evaluation system is playing out in your district. It could be trying out a different, um, a different type of relationship between an evaluator and a, and the, and the teacher. So um, injecting some peer coaching into that, for, for example. So, um, we ended up we ended up having about a dozen teachers, I would say, implementing some sort of miniature project that was um, that was financially supported within their district, and then coming back um, just prior to the legislative session, telling us a little bit about what they learned, and then um, we took those we we took those learnings, we took those findings, and we had those sort of developed into a little bit of a white paper, which was then. Uh, presented to the state house and state senate education committees. So all of the legislators that sit on those committees were um, provided with a copy of that finding, brief bios of the teachers and where they were, and um, some of their some of their thinking around that topic. Um, for when they were sitting in those chairs in those committee rooms, they would they would sort of have a little bit of that background going into that. So that's a that's a way where we look to provide some you know some more formal learning from the field uh, into the hands of some policymakers here at the state level. Well, that's completely fascinating. I mean, you think about, you know, like I said earlier, like policy isn't just on paper and you say, you know, from the people sitting in those chairs up at the Capitol making decisions, sitting in committees, it sounds like your work is really about providing information and perspective. Would that be an appropriate paraphrase, do you think? Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds right. I had to I had to pause for a second second there and think about that. Yeah, really, it's really you know it's it's really nonpartisan. It's really about it's really about the it's really about the information. It's really about trying to um, provide provide the best information that you can to the to people who are making who are making decisions. And you know, as you said at you know at PBC, we have that value of um, we would like educators to have agency both within their classrooms and then also in these in these other areas where there may be decisions that are being that are being made that would have an impact on their on their district on their school on their classroom and so um, providing opportunities like the one I like the one I just talked about perhaps um, if there's opportunities for uh, you know a, a teacher or a leader that PBC is working with to provide testimony at a, at a, at a capital um, if we if we think that that's the if we think that's the right idea um, we like to we can work with we can work with teachers who are interested in doing that and have them you know we're always looking for ways to provide teachers a, a way to have voice in that if they're interested in doing so how do you maintain this nonpartisan perspective and how do you do your work in a way that honors different perspectives if you will right so it's a it's an important question, right? I think it's um, I think it's always important to elevate. You know, what are the what are the challenges that we are really looking at? What are we What are we looking to solve for? And who's invested in in digging in and come and helping to be a part of that solution, right? Um, I think the best way that I could answer this could be maybe just talking about another project the PBC is involved with. Absolutely. In so um, we've been working we've been working this year with. Uh, the Keystone Policy Center on um, putting together a, an, a coalition called the Education System Resilience uh, and Innovation Initiative. And so this is a this is a broad uh, network of I want to say more than eighty uh, folks that are interested in in the future of education in the state of Colorado. 
big P and little P to go back to my shorthand. So we have um, some rep we have some state legislators who are a part of this coalition, people who represent those state organizations that I was speaking to. We have teachers, principals, uh, leaders of BOCES. Uh, do your do your listeners know what a BOCES is? Oh yeah. Okay. So we have so, and again that statewide per, that statewide perspective. So that we're not talking about solutions in Denver that may not be the right solutions for places that are not Denver in the state in the state of Colorado. So it's really about bringing together all of those voices into one place, identifying what are the challenges that we're looking to to work on. And the, in the case of this coalition, it's really looking at the teacher workforce. How do we, what are, what are we, what can we learn about teaching and learning in this moment? What can we learn about how we support teachers in prep and PED? Um, what can we, what can we learn in a, in a variety of facets that are around that in order to inject into the system some additional resiliency so that you know, God forbid, if something like this were to were to happen again, we could have a um, we could have a system that would be a little bit more robustly prepared to um, to deal with to deal to deal with a challenge as significant as the one that we're currently facing. So that's a pretty interesting project that just really kicked off this fall. So it's it's fairly so it's fairly new, but it's been a really encouraging collection of just a lot of statewide voices and people who are really willing to. Like I said, you know, like roll up, roll up their sleeves and, and, and dig in and really try to meet the moment. So it's encouraging, but then also incredibly complex, as you might imagine. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just listening, I'm just thinking in, you know, in my imagination, I'm just picturing these conversations and so many different perspectives having a voice. And really being able to share their experience and share their concerns and share what's working and what's not working in order to come up with solutions and policies that then can positively impact the system from you know, the entire system, from our most rural schools to our most urban schools, to our teachers with many years of experience, to our brand new teachers entering the field, not to mention all of the students and families that are impacted. Now, I know that you know across the country, um, states and local municipalities are creating their own policy. And it is just my hope that the stories that you shared today will inform others about what are some ways to really gather those perspectives to remain nonpartisan and to come up with solutions that really address a problem or an issue. I know that, you know, in the next week or so, politics are kicking up big time. And I like to think about policy and politics as being separate. And I know that you and I talked a little bit about that in one of our previous conversations. But when you think about this upcoming election, what would you like our listeners to consider? Tell me more. There's an election coming up. I had not heard about this. You haven't heard about this? No, I think... <laughs> Right. We're inundated. It's everywhere. And so, you know, as someone who, like you said, you work in policy, not in politics, but with this election coming right up, I, I know that you probably have some hopes or some wishes in terms of, or even just some helpful advice, like for all of us out there who are really trying to make the most informed decisions, what would you say? What would you recommend? No, it's, a, I, it's a great, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I I I think a lot about inf about information really, and how we you know how we get it, how we're processing it. I've been um, I've been thinking a lot, just you know, in a pretty broad sense around um, you know the 
the pivot to getting a lot of information, you know, online and socially and how some things may have been blended in between things that are news and things that are opinion. And that maybe um, I think that are, are some, you know, broad, broadly speaking, maybe some some challenges with um, separating those separating those things out or um, knowing where to look even in a lot of ways. Right. And this is where, you know, I don't know if I have anything really groundbreaking to say, but I like to lean on my um, before I moved. I worked in education. I, I worked as a journalist for a couple of years. And so I've always had a you know, I've always had a value for newspapers and, and news and things like that. And one of you know, one of my advice for, for people out there who um, if you are great, if you if you aren't, is maybe, um, you know, give yourself a little bit of skin in the game. When it comes to this, um, you know, subscribe to a local, subscribe to your local newspaper or, you know, people that are trying to keep the community where you live informed, um, you know, you get what you pay for in some ways. Right. And so I think that um, having a little bit of having a little bit of skin in the game, having a having a subscription to a news outlet in your in your community, you know, having an understanding about the separation between the news desk and the opinion desk and um, really, you know, sort of having a having a, a broader perspective on that on the on that ecosystem is is, is really helpful and in, in getting you to kind of take a beat rather than sort of reacting to something that you see as you're scrolling through through your phone or on a social network or something like that. Um, like I said, I don't know if that, how groundbreaking that is or anything like that, but I think I do think that having skin in the game and having a little bit of um, you know investment in the information that you're that you're bringing to yourself and to your household is important. Oh no, I do. I think it is interesting. I mean in in a lot of ways that recommendation really simplifies, I think, some of our information gathering, if you will. And I, I just love the way you elevated, separate the news desk from the opinion desk. And I think you're right. I think those have gotten so kind of mired together in so many different mediums and medias. Um, I just really appreciate our conversation today. I appreciate your neutrality in terms of being bipartisan and really helping all of us understand the ways in which policies become policies, I guess. Um, you know, as we wrap up our podcast today, I always have one question I ask our guests at the very, very end. And that is, what are your hopes for the 2021 school year? That's a great question. I, so I've been thinking a lot about, about time, about the, about the concept of time in a classroom and some of the challenges that we are, um, you know, consistently hearing in Colorado, I imagine this might be the same in a lot of the communities where people are listening to this around um, teachers reporting how challenging it can be to do everything that they need to do with the time that they with the time that they have. So thinking about supporting individual students um, in their in their learning, facilitating that, everything else that is on their plate, supporting the social emotional needs. So just really been thinking about in this moment, you know, what can we learn about how teachers are utilizing their time and how can we find ways to improve upon that aspect to give a little bit get a little bit more of a more of a buffer so that the, the important work that teachers are doing we can sort of give them a little bit more a little bit more room to do the work that we know that they are great at and give them a little bit and give them a little bit more support in that way because we you know we have voluminous data here in the state of Colorado that time is one of the main concerns that teachers have every year so just been thinking a lot about how might we make some shifts that could account for that because i think that that could solve for some of these other issues that we've been talking about Wow, Evan, and I think you just named your next convening. Like, I can't wait to hear what initiative 
or what project that you develop around that question of time, because I know that the teachers who are listening today are giving you a big thumbs up and yep, it's a lot of time. And I think educators today would have a lot of opinions on how they're spending their time and and the best use of their time. So Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to just learn from you and just as it's just been great. Anything else on your mind? Yeah, I wanted to, um, you know, you, you mentioned the election. You told me about that. Thank you mm-hmm. for that. So I, um, I'd be remiss here in Colorado on a, on a podcast that's focused on policy if I didn't, one, encourage everybody to use your voice and vote in Colorado. And number two, there are a couple of ballot initiatives that are on, the, um, that are on our ballot this year that, um, haven't, that have impacts or uh, implications for education. Um, there's Amendment B, which has to do with the Gallagher Amendment, which uh, concerns Colorado's property taxes. Um, so I'd encourage everybody to take a take a look at that. And make sure you're in, in making informed choices around around Amendment B. The other um, the other one is Proposition EE. Proposition EE is a proposed uh, new taxation on cigarette and nicotine products, so including vaping products. Um, and the, that funding, after a couple of years, would go to toward early childhood. In the state of in the state of Colorado, um, so I'd, I'd encourage everybody listening, if you are a voter in Colorado, to look deeply into both of those initiatives. Um, PBC's board recently signed on to support each of them. Just you know, full disclosure, but uh, I thought I'd be remiss uh, ending this podcast without at least without touching on those because there's there are important decisions that Colorado voters are making in this election when it comes to that. Absolutely. And thank you so much for bringing those up and just being transparent about kind of where to find the information, what to look for, and also some organizational perspective. You can find some information about those on our website, actually. So, right. PEBC.org. Great. Well, Evan, thank you so much. Thanks again, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together provided inspiration and information. Our nonprofit is able to provide free content for educators because of support from generous donors. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or make a donation, please visit our website at pebc.org. The PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Phenomenal Teaching by Wendy Ward-Hoffer. We offer customized virtual and on-site professional development, coaching, institutes, and courses. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. Thank you.